chilies. I hope you're having a great week. This week, we actually, we have a great episode for you. This person is someone that I met when I was in Colorado. I signed up for a goat hike in the mountains of Boulder, Colorado. And the person on the show was the one who took me on the hike. She was awesome. She made me cowgirl coffee. And we talked about goats and life. And I found out she had a really deep connection with spirit. So I had to have her on the cast. So this week, I hope you enjoy Valerie Solheim. Also, I do need to give you all a trigger warning. There are mentions of sexual assault and rape in this episode. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up about that. But still, this is a really great episode and I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to Real Chills with Meg Getz. Real scary silly real stories hey everybody welcome to real chills i am so excited for our guest today when i went to denver i met this lovely person and i love her story so today we have valerie solheim valerie how are you i'm great thank you Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for being here. We always ask our guests the same question when they come on the cast, which is when it comes to the paranormal, where do you stand? Are you more of a true believer or can you sometimes be skeptical? Okay. I don't even call it paranormal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, It's there and I am there too. And so are you. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not like a paranormal. It's inside all of us is what you're saying. It's all and it's here and it's we divide things up because that's our culture into categories it's not a category it's air it's what you breathe it's who you are i love that that's so that's so nice everything you say it just gives me like so much peace (laughs) so i'm excited Uh, to have you on that's good yeah (laughs) yeah well let's get into it let's get into how you unknowingly started your your spiritual path i would say I was probably always on it. We all are always on it. And we make choices that either are more direct or some that are roundabout and some that we have to take a break and breathe for a while. And it might be a lifetime of breathing for the next lifetime. And that's fine too. But I do know the spiritual always, always called me. And that's what we call paranormal because we're afraid. Right. The spiritual is tied up in the thought of church and structure and possibly a commitment that we don't make. Commitments are very hard to make. Uh, and we don't really have any that are committed to self. And we think once we commit to the spiritual, we have to stop eating popcorn and wearing short skirts. Right. (laughs) That's not it at all. It's Mm -hmm. joy. That's what it is. And that's pleasure. Right. So it's making a commitment to yourself instead of like a a higher being. Is that what you're saying? The self is the higher being. The self is the higher being. And you don't need to. Well, it's so interesting. When you're starting, when you're committed to a path or when you're, you know, in just in and around you, you um, define things and say, well, this is God or this is spirit or this is Brahma. This is, you know, whatever you want to say. 
And then as you move along, you realize it's just all. It's not, it's everything and nothing that you can describe. Wow. And so it drops. It drops out of all the stuff that you brought to it saying, oh, I won't be able to do this or I shouldn't do that. The thing is, you know, it's just all. And when did you realize this? Or is this like a series of... It's it's only as you move along. It's only Mm -hmm. as you move along because you're caught in defining things. Mm -hmm. I remember, I thought it was so funny in an interview with Carl Jung, uh, the interviewer said, do you believe in God? And Jung just looked at him and goes, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And and it was so genuine because... He was an elderly man, and you just say, God is. I mean, do you believe in is? I don't know. Yeah. That's a hard question to answer, yeah. Well, it's an easy question to answer when you know, when the experience is, yes, I know, and God is. And that is what we call paranormal, because we are invited into so many realms when we let down all of the conditions in our life. And those conditions are let down slowly because you can't let them down at once. You can look at a child, look at a turtle or a rabbit or a rock, and the child goes, oh. And there's no condition to it because they have nothing to judge. They have nothing to, you know, they can look at an elephant and a dog and love the dog and not even remember the elephant. Right. There's no judgment there. It's just uh, an uh, an attraction. And that's... That's all. So how, so you're saying that you need to, to be more open to it or meditate? You need to, meditation really is essential. I mean that it's so funny. We put it off and we put it off because we think, oh, we have to meditate all day and we have to meditate. I started meditating five minutes because that was long for me. And I timed it because I didn't want to get up at four minutes. And then I, moved it up to 10 minutes and you know I just started you start really structurally because that's the sense of it and then pretty soon that's not it at all I say pretty soon because there's if we start calibrating it by time then we drop out again because we say oh my gosh she's so advanced or he is so advanced I'll never get there then you stop because that's the ego coming up with a reason why not to do it Oh, I love this one story. Uh, a student goes to his teacher and says, how many lifetimes will I be realized? And the teacher goes, lifetimes? Oh. How many, you know, how many years will I be realized? Years? How many? And he keeps going until the, he goes, you know, why not now? And also, the older you are, when you start, actually, the faster it goes, because by then you drop a lot of stuff. Right. But that doesn't mean to wait until you're older, because why have a life that's so full of rocks in the river? You know, if life is a stream, you can bash them or you can slide over them. You decide. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good. Yeah. Good point. You make it sound so easy, though. I feel like you're. You're told you need the rocks and they'll make you stronger, you know? So being told well, how many times do you want to hit? That's all. Yeah. You know, and what do you want to get stronger at? Identifying rocks? Right. 
Yeah, no. Not the point. I love it when people say, I did this too. That's why I can say these things. I'm saying everything that I did. So mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not saying I woke up and I go, oh, I don't think I have to do that. It's all this, I've got to find myself. I've got to find myself. And you find yourself through experience. I've got to go travel. I've got to go do this. Mm-hmm. I've got to do hardship. And you go, huh? Self is love. Right. What does that have to do with a trip? What does that have to do with hardship? What is that? I worked with a lot of artists, and they all think they have to be Van Gogh, and they trash themselves in the most horrible ways to get to their creative self, and it's love. There's no need to trash anything. It's love, and it's first simple love for yourself. And that's the hardest, because we think we're so guilty of everything. There is no guilt. There is no evil that we don't judge that way because we don't understand. That's the hard piece because we go, oh, well, Hitler, look at Russia, look at this, look at that. We don't understand that this lifetime is a pinhead of all. And I don't understand the good because I can say, well, that didn't feel so good. Right. Understand the good, but it sure as heck woke us up. Yeah. Those I would say that wanted to wake up. Right. That's all. Because life will never be good because that's a judgment. And so, like, good then is always out there looking for good. Well, be good. And then you don't have to look for it. Just be good. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, goodness is how you feel about yourself. And the real word is kind. And kind is from the heart. And all this opens up capacity. I mean, you know, we're talking about things now, but I'm just saying, as you drop judgment, as judgment dissolves from your thought process, you stop the chatter in your brain because you're judging all day long. I like that plant. Look at that lovely car. Look at that color. How pretty that is. And that sucks. I can't believe it because judgment is both ways. But when you just look and go, huh, your mind isn't chattering. And as you stop the mind chatter, you can only stop the mind chatter. Mind chatter is what covers fear. Okay. And when you can only go as far as your fear in anything, anything at all. And that's true for the spiritual life, too. When you go in you will go as far as your fear. And if what they call the paranormal is frightening to you, because we've all, every time during the day we drop in, if it frightens us or we hear frightening stories or you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. That's the, that's the whole truth is you only go as far as your fear. And how do you face the fear? You'll find that the fear is so simple. What I want to say is that the first part is a little frightening. I will say my orientation 
is Jungian, Carl Jung. And Carl Jung was a student of Freud's until Carl Jung realized that Freud's foundation was it is sex that is disorients us to life and kinks us all up. And Jung says it is spirit. Right. It is our lack of understanding, lack of going there, that what is troublesome in our lives. And so I'm on the side of Jung, and Jung says you've got to clear the mind of chatter. And what I would say now, Jung, in developing on Jung, there's one way to stop the chatter to start in starting this process, and that is by forgiving yourself non-stop. And it sounds simple, but it is a devotion. That sounds really hard to me. <laughs> I don't even do, I don't consider myself a bad person, but it's so hard to do. That. I will tell you, I will tell you what it is. And I'll tell you, I thought, well, yeah, I have a PhD and you're telling me what? Huh. Right. <laughs> well, I finally thought I'll give it a try because it seems to keep coming up. And so what it was, was I literally had to say from this chair, to that chair, I will not have a thought. Or you first start out paying attention to your thoughts and you notice they are nonstop judging. Mm -hmm. Every time you hear a judgment, regardless of you, if you consider it positive or negative, because you could say to someone, you have beautiful blonde hair and they said, I wish I were a redhead. You got, oops, you know? Right. And so you don't know what beauty is. It's just awe. And so you you stop judgment, and every time you judge, you say, "I am an innocent child of." And you can say God, you can say Spirit, you can say whatever you want. I use God. I'm Judeo Christian. I just use what my culture says, just like everybody. I've touched on a different, a lot of different religions, and this is what I was born into this time. So I just say. I forgive myself. I am an innocent child of God. We've got to remember over and over and over and over again who we are. And that child, what you're saying is I'm an innocent child of love. You can say it that way if you'd like. And then if in some way there is something in your environment, maybe an individual, that you feel has attacked you and hurt you, then you say, I forgive myself that thought that I've been attacked and hurt. We are an innocent child of God. Mm. You keep saying this and you find you're saying it non-stop because you are judging everything. And then one day, suddenly, you realize your mind is quiet because you're not, you're not chattering away. And it is very peaceful. But then there is this repetition also helps because it's not about the ego is our replacement for God because I can do this, I can do that, I am this, that, you know, whatever. 
And so you don't attack the ego. The ego is much better at being an ego than you are. What you do is you dissolve it. And you dissolve it by turning away and saying, I am this. I am not that. And not that is ego. So I am an innocent child of God. The ego is not innocent. And the ego won't let you think for a moment that you're innocent. But you are. And you can make that choice whenever you want to. Or you can be guilty the rest of your life. That's your business. I can remember when I wept, <laughs> when I just wept in joy, when I realized there was nothing you have to achieve. And I happen to like water. And I was just thinking, my vision of pure joy is being a frog on a lily pad croaking. Yeah. That's the achievement is self. The achievement is love. And you do have to go into the inner world, and that is, in the dreams are an insight into that. And one thing, one way to do that is when something frightens you in a dream, you know, you might wake up and then just tell yourself, I'm going back now. And I want it to be, you just tell who's out there, you just say, I need that experience but i need it a little softer mm-hmm. and i need to face it and it's like a lot of people have dreams of being chased right and they need to turn around and say who are you yeah and, that, and once you turn around to say who are you that energy that's chasing dissolves because it's your split off energy and that then you become whole, more whole and more whole but the courage to turn around and say, who are you, is enormous. And it is such a breakthrough into the shield and the armor and the walls that you have around yourself. It's an amazing breakthrough. That first one, and I'll tell you my first one. In my family, the uh, total focus was on books. Books were, books were God. And the intellect was God. And you carried a book around just so that when you heard your mom or dad coming, you could pick it up very quickly and open <laughs> that page to be saved. And so I had this one dream that I was in the family house. I was an adult now and I had left, you know, I was gone from the family house. But I was in the family house as a very young girl. In the, so in my childhood house. But there was no furniture here, and I didn't notice that right away. And so all of a sudden, this very large black bowl was coming at me. And it was coming from the living room into the dining room. So I ran into the dining room. I ran into the kitchen. And in the kitchen, this was so great, there was a very large bookshelf that went all the way up to the roof, the ceiling there. And there was one book at the top. Well, somehow I was able to run up or shoot up, all of a sudden I was on top, and the bull was at the bottom of the bookshelf, and I was holding this book. And I looked at the bull, and I was going to throw the book at the bull, which makes a whole lot of sense. And then I woke up in the dream. It's called lucid dreaming, but I remembered, if this was my fear, I had to ask the bull who it was. And to do that, I had to come down the bookshelf and leave the book there. 
And I stood beside the bull and I said, who are you? And he said, your emotions. And he dissolved. Have you ever felt emotions? Then do we have the podcast for you. Feel Feelings is a weekly podcast where comedians Danny Getz and George Bruderman sit down with some of the funniest, emotionally distraught people, i.e. comedians, they know, and talk feelings. Every Friday, hear very funny people reminisce on Ren and Stimpy, worry about the Wizard of Oz, and emote over their emo phase. Check out Feel Feelings with Danny and George, a show about feelings and the things that make you feel them. At the moment, I didn't understand it. But after, you know, thinking about things, I realized that any emotion that I had, I would turn to a book. And as a psychologist, I started turning to a book. What was that? And defining myself. And, you know, in a way, it's so funny. I do really esteem Jung. And he was, although he wrote and wrote and wrote, it wasn't about books if people could understand him. Right. It was about how to understand. And you don't, in defining yourself, that bull was everything in my orbit that was never dealt with, meaning family, myself, but my family, my parents, everybody, because we always turn to books. Right. And I... After that, I had another experience, and the experience was I had to make a commitment not to read a book for a year. Oh, wow. And I thought, I was told that. A very ugly woman showed up in my dream, and I said, who are you? And she said, a book. You can't read. And I'm, and then somehow there was this exchange, and the what I was committed to was not reading a book for a year. And I found that was pure hell for me. I was addicted. And addiction is the same if you're an alcoholic, if you're, whatever it is, it's destroying your life. It's destroying life. It's between you and life. And it was so hard because not only did I depend on a book to define everything I was, but I could quote from it. I would say, well, Jung said this, or this said this, this, because I had no validity. I and myself had no validity unless mm-hmm. I could do the author's name. Mm-hmm. And so that was very hard. And then years later, what I was told that I couldn't do is I couldn't go to a workshop for a year. Okay. That was at first I thought, well, I'll save money. I I think on New Year's Day, I got a call from a friend and she said, there's this person coming to town and she's this, 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 we've got to go. And I said, oh, great. No, I can't. Oh, no. And what I felt, I felt the most incredible fear that I was going to now be left behind in this world of, spiritual development, psychic development, whatever development 
it happened to be offered to me. I thought I was going to be left behind. And the oddest thing that happened, she got very angry with me because I wouldn't go. And I told her I'd made a commitment not to go. And she didn't understand that. She was very angry. What I realized throughout the years, she was following this one person who was, you know, very talented and gifted, whatever. And she would always call me, there's the workshop coming up. <laughs> not going. But I would end up calling her, not knowing what the dates of the workshop was or where she was, and say, oh, my God, Sandy, this and this and this happened to me this morning. I was off doing this and this happened and I saw this and I experienced it. And she said, oh, I can't believe this. This is exactly what we're doing in class, but it's happening to you. Wow. That was the entire year. I'm not joking. Anytime I called her, she goes, okay, now what? <laughs> I was always in the workshop and I was always having the experience. Wow. So you were, instead of just like learning about it or reading it, you were experience, experiencing. I was knowledge. experiencing it. And it was so odd to me. And it really, for a while, my close friends that were kind of in this group really pulled away from me because I wasn't part of that group. And that group met once a week now and they exchanged meditation and, and all this stuff. And I wasn't a part of that. And I had to say to myself, that's okay. I had to say to myself, that's okay. And that was years ago. But you do have to go through your greatest fears. And one fear of mine was an interesting fear. A lot of women are afraid of, you know, sexually, sexually being, you know, raped or something like that. Mine was being beaten up. And possibly in past lifetimes, I was beaten up. And wow. so somehow, my fear was I would be beaten up. So it, it was a male that was going to beat me up. And so I had to clear that. And one example was I had gone to, uh, if I wake up during the night, which a lot of people do, they go to the bathroom or something. I was told in the book that I read um, <laughs> that if you wake up the evening, the nighttime, the veil is the thinnest. And that's the best time to meditate. You're really being called to meditate. So I would go sit and meditate. And I wouldn't go back to my bed when I was done. I would go uh, to another bed so I didn't disturb my husband. And I would lie down. But what started happening is I started in my meditation, I would start jerking down. There's a lot of jerking in the meditation, but it was down and down. And what I realized later, because it felt very, very heavy. And what I realized later, that the heaviness was my body, being, my spirit leaving my body. And I would go lie down because I, I didn't know what else to do. At that time, I didn't, I, those weren't the words that I had. I didn't know. And so I'd go lie down and boom, instantly, I would be in a realm. I'll just say in a realm. But before going into the highest realms, I would just be, I wouldn't be aware. I would just lying down. And I would think that my head just hit the pillow. I wasn't aware of anything. And for example, one time I heard the door open to the room I was in. And I thought, oh, that's my husband coming to check out where I am. And then I heard bare feet padding across the floor to the bed and standing over me at the bed. And I thought, oh, that's my husband standing over me. And then I felt the hands around my neck and I was being choked. 
And I screamed and I sat up in my bed and I yelled, Jesus, help me. I have never yelled that in my life. But it shows how profound it is in the body. Right. And yet I had never, ever called out for Jesus to help me. And then the hands were off my neck. There was no entity there. I never saw anything, but I definitely felt the hands on my neck and heard what I heard. And then I thought for a moment, okay, where's the fear in my body? And I realized it wasn't in my body. It was in my head. So my head had come up with this. Oh, wow. And then I just went into a profound sleep. And oftentimes when you go into a deep, deep, deep sleep, black sleep, um, there's a lot of healing there. And you might not know it, but that's that. But that was one fear that, oh, and then the next time it got, I was in the forest. This was an experience I was having. When I say experience, it's a realm. I'll just say a realm. I don't like to, I don't like to identify things because how do I know? Right. And do you, the one question, do you enter these realms mostly through meditation and, and dreams? I do. Okay. I do. And so this was in a realm and I can tell when I'm in the realm because I am totally lucid and I am totally experiencing. So the mind isn't at work at all. It's total. Okay. And that's a hard word to describe. Right. When you're in a swimming pool, you are totally wet. And you don't say, oh, am I wet? And you don't start questioning wet. Mm -hmm. You're in the realm. You're totally there, and you don't question. Okay, so I'm in a small camper. I am some kind of a guide for maybe three teenage girls. There was this was something that was organized, and I was to be their guide. And it was nighttime, and all of a sudden, I knew there was a man, and we were in the woods in an isolated place, and I knew there was a man walking towards the trailer, and I was scared shitless and I told the girls to lie down and I lay down also and the man came up to the door and on the door there was a little window with a curtain on it and I just was terrified and then I realized I had to face the man so I think I felt probably like a slug going up a wall because I just <laughs> very slowly kind of pushed my body up this wall and I very slowly opened the curtain and it was Jesus and I opened the door and we followed him and he took us through the forest and it just was I'll just say powerful I can't I, there's no words but things happened like that the next thing that was frightening to me is we moved up, I moved up into the mountains with my husband. And at night, I would be afraid to go out even to the clothesline, which is just sure. from the house. It just scared me to go out of there because I thought of lions. There are a lot of lions around here. And so I went to bed one night earlier. I always went to bed earlier than my husband. and. 
we had a glass door that was in our bedroom door. It was a glass door. It's actually an outside door that we used in the bedroom. And we had a curtain across it that the very bottom glass was broken out because my son had broken it out plain. And so Jesse had taken all the glass out of that but had never put glass back in there. Our cat would always jump in and out that little face there. So I was just lying down in bed. I felt like I had just laid down. That's all my experience was. And then I heard a jump through that little door. And I said, oh, the cat's coming. At the same time, I knew perfectly well that what was walking across the floor was very, very big. As I heard it padding across the floor, then it jumped on the bed and it was a mountain lion. And it was very, very big. And then it was swishing its tail, lying down right beside me. And I couldn't breathe. I mean, I, I guess I was breathing. I was alive. But I'll tell you, I was frozen. And then I said to myself, I did not ask the mountain lion who it was. I just laid there and slowly relaxed. But I still, that's all I could do. And then the mountain lion got up and left. And what's funny in saying this, you know, you always learn something when you're talking, was that that's something that did happen to me when I was a young girl in high school. I went with a couple kids to the mountains and we were spending the night up there and we found an old barn. So we threw our sleeping down, bags down in this old barn. You know, it was a pioneer barn type thing. And that night I woke up because there was a beam somehow that was up, that went up to the loft of the barn. It was just a beam there. And I heard the mountain lion walk up the beam, lie down in the loft above us, and I heard all night long the tail swishing. And then I heard it leave in the morning. I didn't sleep that night. But what was funny is a mountain ranger came along at some point when we were fixing breakfast. And he said, did you sleep in that barn last night? And we said, yes. Well, did you know that's the mountain lion den? <laughs> and and wow. others were shocked, but I was going, yeah, I did. And yeah. I, I mean, I was terrified. I mean, it wasn't. So in a way, I guess I was attracting mountain lions for a long time. But right. the next week or so, shortly thereafter, all I can say, I don't know time. Again, I was meditating. I was jerking around. I got into bed, lay down. And as I lay down, just flat on my back, all of a sudden, I experienced there was a man's body laying down right beside me. And I was terrified yet again. So I went to check my body to see where the fear was. And I realized it was in my head. So I relaxed a little again, and as I relaxed, the hand of this, the arm of this body moved slowly so it touched my body, and then I knew it was Jesus, and I was released. And I think that was my last experience of fear to be released into higher and higher realms. Of spiritual realms. And like I said, had I thought that man was going to do me harm, 
and I screamed and ran or did something that I screamed and struck out in some way as if it was bad, I would just prolong that choice to enter into a spiritual realm. Right. This question, it, you might not have an answer for, honestly, but when, so you've seen Jesus multiple times now. And do you think maybe that's like a guide for you, taking you to these realms, presenting itself in a way that would make you comfortable since this is what you grew up in, no, this faith? No. Well, yes, Jesus is the body of the culture I grew up in. Right. Okay. So that's that. However, he only becomes a guide when I choose that. I could have chosen that this was a bad man, and then it would have been a bad man. Okay. I didn't choose this to be Jesus. I did not choose it to be Jesus. I just looked to see where my fear was. If the fear was in my gut, then I would say it's probably real. If the fear is in my head, I would say I'm manifesting it, meaning that it's, you know, this is a bad man. Mm -hmm. But because I chose that it was not bad, then it gave me a healing. I mean, one time I was reading that uh, there was an interview in prison. This guy was interviewing rapists in prison saying, how did you choose the girl to rape? And one guy said, well, you choose what looks weak, just like a mountain lion will choose the weak, you know, what's limping or something. You'll choose something that looks weak. But the guy said, I was about ready to grab this woman. And she turned around at me and looked at me totally innocently and said, what time is it? And there was nothing I could do. Wow. And it's the same sort of thing. Wow. The same sort of thing. When we talked at your house, when you made cowgirl coffee, which was so fun, you described how you knew when you were in a realm. I can't remember the specifics. Would you mind getting into that? First of all, you don't know. It's just like when you drink a glass of water, you don't question, is this water? Right. When you arrive at your house, you don't say, hmm. This door looks like the door I know. You don't question the door because when you're in a realm, it is, it is so, and you know it. You okay. know it. You you know. For example, when I went into, when I was released from those fear, there were others, but those were bigger ones that I remember um, right off my head. Um, they uh the first time it was it was like a pop it was like i popped out of this and there i was and i was not i when you come out of it you try to explain it you put words to it when you're there you do not put words to it it's not a word experience drinking a glass of water is not a word experience it's not a word experience I experienced myself as total tintillation of unconditional love. And there is nothing to compare to it, period. There's no words to describe it. And you know instantaneously, even to say that word, the word is too long, just like you don't say 
now I'm drinking water. You, you know, you know. And I knew that I was home and I knew who I was. I was receive, I was unconditional love. I wasn't sending or receiving. I was. Now you can say as an energy field, I was this, that, and the other. Why bother? I think we apply, we need words. We need words because that's the crude way we have to develop. We need words. But later you understand that it's not a word. And just like an experience that can be either so awful as you choose or so good, there's no words when you try to describe it to someone, you don't plummet the depth of what that was for you. But still, we need words. Here we are talking. Right. <laughs> we need to share it because we need to share because sometimes people don't grasp what's happening to them. And if they had a better framework, they would be more willing to explore and yeah. go beyond that. Sometimes, because I know a lot of things were happening to me prior to my acquiring a framework that really scared me and thought I was going crazy. Mm. I remember one time I came back to the family house. My parents were gone. I was going to take care of the house. And I also, yeah, it was summer and I'd been teaching. So I had come home and I was going to take care of the house. I laid down in bed and instantaneously I saw a panther walking up the, the sidewalk to the house coming in and merging with me and it scared me to death and things started happening a lot like that and I thought I was going crazy wow I didn't have a structure and the structure is a spiritual structure and even when the fear of the lion lying beside me you know possibly if I'd had a better structure I, we would have carried on a conversation but I wasn't capable of that at the time I wasn't capable of conversing with Jesus, but I don't know, and and other people have, but I, in, in the case of Jesus, I would say I didn't have, and don't have, I don't think, I don't have the that frequency level to exchange face-to-face -face a thought. Another time, I was in a cave in a realm. I've never been underground. This was the first time I was underground. And it was an enormous cave. It was like a cathedral, but it was a cave. And I was walking and just walking and kind of looking around me. And then I knew someone was behind me. And I knew I was walking, but this entity person was gliding. It was beyond walk. This one didn't have. And I knew then, it didn't frighten me. I knew then that was Jesus. And then... Jesus told me psychically, look up. And he and I, I had the sense he was pointing, but I know he wasn't. And so I looked up and I saw I was a beekeeper at the time and doing a lot of research in frequencies with bees. And I looked up and there were bees in this cave. And I said, quite knowingly, bees aren't supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus said, Let's just say it this way. They're not what you think they are. 
Okay. And I knew then instantly that these are spiritual beings. Oh, wow. Um, but that wasn't exactly what he said. I get how funny I should have, I hadn't thought of that, but it was something that really woke me up to the reality of the bees. Wow. That's awesome. So did you stop beekeeping after? Did you continue? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was a beekeeper until just recently actually, but not in the same sense of a lot of beekeepers. Can we save the whole bee thing for possibly another talk? Yeah, of course. Because it's really extensive. I would just like to say something because this is special to me at the moment. My mom passed um, last Tuesday. So sorry. No, no. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. If you have a framework, it's wonderful. Yeah, I'm still adjusting, so I can't say I've got it, but I I I'm grasping things each day. But the thing that was so wonderful was that mom had a series of small strokes, which were significant in the end. But at the end of March, and she was in Tucson, and she lives with me up here, but she goes to Tucson to stay with my sister for a while. And so I had the experience. What my experience was, was I was sitting in a chair observing as a witness. And that's important. Witness is important. And I was observing my family in the family house here in Boulder, Colorado. And they were just going about their stuff. It was just a family scene coming and going. And then it shifted. And I was looking at my mother. And she was so beautiful. She was probably, and what I was seeing was her is probably in her 30s. And she was wearing a very beautiful dress. It was a sweater and a skirt. And she glowed. And I was just looking at her. And the moment I captured her in my vision, I just, I have to say, out of myself, I, my spirit leapt out of myself and met herself. And I said, Mother, I love you. And it was just joy. And we merged and boom, it was over. And when I came out of that in the morning, I knew that her spirit had passed. Wow. However, my mother lasted three more months. And in those three months, my mother told us, and she was in and out of her realm. And even the doctor said, when I wanted to say unconscious, he said, no, your mother is in her realm. So he was more aware than I was, and I appreciated that. And I appreciated that as opposed to saying conscious or unconscious, psychotic, not psychotic. He just said she is in her realm. Mother told us that as a college student in the 30s, she had been raped. And that was the first time we knew of that. And so for three months, she was going through it. She was screaming, scratching, spitting, kicking, yelling. I said that screaming. She was biting. She would not let the male nurse come near her. It, and every once in a while, she'd come out of her realm and she said, you don't know what horror I'm going through. And for me, what was 
saddening to me was you knew you had to leave her and she had to do this, but you also, I was sad that she was dying in this way. Right. And my sisters were all trying to make it good for her. There's nothing you can make good when she has to go through this. Mm-hmm. But the last two weeks of her life, she was at peace, total peace. She had resolved it through her body. Her body resolved it, the invasion, let's say. The body resolved it. She was at peace. And mom had a very hard time expressing love to us kids uh, once we reached puberty, because then we would ask questions. And that was not what she was going to deal with. And there's no judgment there. Okay, that's the important piece. But mom then was transmitting through her eyes. I don't like the word transmission because then it goes again into technicality. She would look at us with unconditional love. She would, and the first time I saw that from her, I had to turn away because I was weeping and I couldn't, I couldn't take it. It was too mm-hmm. strong until after that I could. And then she would start singing, kissy, 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 kissy. Oh. And we kiss. And then I go, kissy, kissy. And it was so wonderful. And then, and the nurse would say, see, there's no wrinkles on her brow or no stress in her neck. She's at peace. And one time she was looking over my shoulder, just staring. And she said, oh, wow. Just like a little girl. I've never heard her use that expression. And she laughed and laughed and laughed, just a joyous laugh. And then she said, oh, wow, and was going off laughing. It wasn't giggling. It was a full laugh. And she, because of the stroke, couldn't barely talk. And then I looked at her again, and she had this smile on her face, and she just lay back. And, you know, about two or three days later, she passed. But it was just so wonderful. And I've seen her since then. But what I learned was at first I was kind of psychologizing. Now I get what what was going on in our life because of her secret. But you know, we judge that. And all of us have grown up with things that we perceive was not good. In many ways, we might have a parent who was uh, mentally ill. We might have a parent who couldn't express love. We, on and on and on and on. There's no point. Right. But we judge it. And then we come out and say, I have this kink because, and I have this, but no. You are gifted that to go beyond it if you choose. Wow. Only if you choose. And you will choose. But it's only when, right? Right. Like where we started. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. When you choose, and you have lifetimes to choose, there's no judgment. Wow. Wow. This was incredible. That was, thank you for sharing that story. I'm glad that your mom is at peace and that, you know, you're at a plane where you can still see her sometimes or you're, you know. She is, she is here, and yes, and it's just when we divide things up into categories, I would say the categories are walls mm-hmm. that we decide, 
I will never, this will never happen. She's dead. She's gone. You know, whatever they decide. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. And did you say, are you writing a book? Are you thinking about writing a book? No, I don't even want to. I thought about, I did write a book. Okay. I've written a book and it's about, it's a spiritual book and a storybook and a bee book, but it's not necessarily for beekeepers. And my website is healingbees.org. And we'll, we can do that another time. Okay. That was a great plug though. Cause we always, we end the show with plugs. I appreciate that. Thank you. But I just, I would, I would be happy to go there because the bees, holy smoke. Oh, I'd love to have you back on. This was incredible. I, it, I, it makes me emotional when we talk and I, this is our second time talking. So it's always. I, I, I am very grateful. This is better than a book because it's an experience. Absolutely. So yeah. what you're gifting us is um, beyond what you even know. Thank you. I, I don't even have the words. This was just really wonderful. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. It um, it will be released this week. So I'll, I'll send it over to you. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we, we end the show? Don't waste time. Don't waste time. <laughs> it can be it, your life, anybody's life can be so sweet. It does not have to be hitting all those rocks in the dream to define yourself. It's not about strength, it's about love. Real Chills is produced by Meg Getz and Alyssa Chaskowski. The show is edited by Dan Getz, theme music by Sam Williamson, and artwork by Buffy the Design Slayer. Subscribe where you get podcasts and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Real Chills Podcast. Slide into those DMs with your true scary stories. Real Chills Podcast is a member of the Wasted Robot Network. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows, please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com podcasts.